are listening to Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 396 of Linux in the Hamshack, the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. And tonight we have our deep dive episode and our deep dive is going to be an interview, an interview about a new project that's coming along that involves hardware and software in the amateur radio world, involves an audio codec that we've talked about in previous episodes, and we're going to learn all about M17 soon but first let's go ahead and inter or i was gonna say interview let's introduce uh the cast of the show which is uh myself russ k5tux i'm cheryl w5moo and i'm bill ne4rd and if it wasn't already apparent that we're two bottles of wine in let's just uh roll with it so let's interview uh wow interview <laughs> Interview just wants to come out. <laughs> so, so let's, let's go ahead and do it. We're tonight, we're interviewing a member of the M17 project and we're going to find out what part he plays in that project here pretty soon. But this is Steve Miller, Kilo, Charlie One, Alpha, Whiskey, Victor. Wow. Got that out without stumbling. Cool. And, uh, he's actually from really close to where I grew up. So that's cool. And, uh, he's probably sitting in, uh, Newmarket right now. Yeah. That's correct. All right, Newmarket, New Hampshire, a place that I used to frequent quite a bit. So anyway, Steve, good evening. Thanks for being here. Hey, good evening. And, you know, I think it's all that anticipation of having me on the show that the word interview is stuck in my head. <laughs> <laughs> well, good evening, and uh, thank you for having me. Yes, well, thanks for being here. And, no, it's more likely just because I'm sort of half in the bag. But we'll start by letting you tell us a little bit about yourself maybe before you got into amateur radio or technology or things like that, like how you got into all of this, and then we'll move into the M17 project or at least uh, what you know of its origins. So tell us what you want to tell us about how you got into ham radio and technology. Okay, sure. Uh, let's see. I mean, it's, it's going to be a long story. I'll try and keep it short. And oh, the dog just got out. So <laughs> if you hear some uh, noise in the background, uh, the puppy wants to join me. Um, no, I'm Steve Miller. I'm, uh, you know, an amateur radio operator since, uh, 2013. I was licensed as a technician back then, um, upgraded to general in 2016. And I'm, uh, also studying for my extra, which I hope to get before uh, the year is out. So that'll be exciting. Um, I got into amateur radio namely because my brother N1ZXZ, uh, got into amateur radio. He got into it a long time before I did, but uh, I always found uh, the things that he was getting into and the projects that he was working on so interesting and uh, really, you know, the type of thing that I wanted to get involved in. So I did a little bit more research and, you know, got into the public service aspect of everything. So I'm a member of Aries up in the area. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a, an amazing hobby to have um, expensive at times, but you know, <laughs> kind of goes with the, uh, you know, the, the flow. But, you know, with the, uh, M17 project, uh, coming up, you know, we, sh we should, uh, have an answer for something, you know, as far as hardware and software related, make it a little bit more affordable for people coming in. Um, but yeah, that's a general short story of me. All right. So how did your 
you know, a little background there of amateur radio and technology. I'm not sure we heard a lot about the technology part, but how did that lead you to M17? How did you fall in with this this cast of crazy characters doing this project? <laughs> uh, well, as far as technology is concerned, I guess I, I should probably, uh, you know, preface this with uh, I, I started out as a systems admin for a local uh, nonprofit in Boston um, back in 2008. So, you know, I've uh, had a uh, all right, well, you know, IT career. So, you know, I, I got involved with a whole bunch of electronics projects and, you know, taking servers apart and putting them back together and, you know, having fun with that. And, uh, you know, and then, um, you know, I was just uh, idling on uh, IRC chat with uh, the Reddit net group uh, one day. And uh, this guy comes in uh, from Poland, says, hey, uh, I'm working on this new, uh, new project. And I want to know if there's anybody that's uh, interested in helping me out. And uh, I made my way over to, you know, his neck of the woods and uh, IRC land, learned uh, as much as I could about the whole system and, um, you know, started to uh, volunteer my services as, uh, you know, as far as I could, you know, with being a systems admin, um, I started taking over the, the whole systems administration part of M17. That's where I fit in. I'm, I'm the uh, web administrator, the email administrator, the uh, person that takes care of all the, you know, public or, I'm sorry, the social media accounts and, you know, uh, kind of, uh, oh, I brought the forums up and... <laughs> So basically, anything that you see on the web, you know, I, I had a hand in, and that's that's where I fit in. But uh, you know, with um, the project taking off so uh, so well, uh, it's given me the impetus to learn um, more. So I'm um, you know designing boards and testing things out that are that are you know in experimental or prototype uh, status right now. And you know, I'm I'm also watching you know, people that are much, much smarter than I am just take this project and run with it. And everybody's having a lot of fun. So it's, uh, it's, it's uh, fed the need for not just having something to do in the hobby, but also, you know, the um, need to learn or the really the desire to learn um, something new. So it's, uh, it's really, really cool. Oh, that's very cool. And they've also shouldered you with being the voice of the project because apparently <laughs> all the people who's, time of day it is okay to be the voice they don't want to be and everybody else is over in the eastern europe and it's kind of like really late right now so so i guess they stuck it with you yeah and it's it's not it's not that nobody i don't think it's that nobody wants to really be the voice it's just that there's people that are that are um highly focused on specific tasks with the project and since i'm the one that um i'm not really developing anything i'm not really designing anything specifically um i have the opportunity to kind of sit back and watch everything that's going on so i guess i'm the one that has the has the um the voice because i've been able to watch everything for so long right so you're like the generalist who's got a little bit of a finger in everything that's happening which is great that's exactly what we need when we talk about the project and as we have already mentioned the project is the uh, mike 17 or m17 project and we should probably start off, um, since our deep dive is actually on the project, and now that we know who we're talking to, you should tell us what you can about the origin of the project and what the project actually is from your point of view. Oh, goodness. Uh, the origin of the project, that would be a question for Wojciech. And, uh, well, your, I, phone, I believe... your phone's handy, right? You can, uh, you can give him a call. <laughs> give him a call. Yeah, let me call him. Swag him up. <laughs> Um, so 
it's born out of the need for um, having hardware and software that is not encumbered by um, patents or uh, copyright or, you know, any sort of licensing that is not open. Um, and, the, you know, I guess uh, Wojciech had seen um, that need in the amateur community to have something that people can experiment with, um, you know, available to them as far as digital voice is concerned. And uh, that's really, you know, from what from what I understand, that's how it really came about. Um, you know, this he started it, uh, well, geez, I started getting involved in September 2019. September, October 2019. So it's been over a year, you know, uh, a good, uh, I'd say about 18 months now at least. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's the, uh, that's how it started. And, um, you know, we, we kind of have a tagline of, uh, you know, trying to take DMR and fusion and D star off the air, but that's not really the, <laughs> it's, it's, that's more tongue in cheek than it is, uh, you know, an actual, uh, motto. You know, we, we, we want to, um, replace it with, uh, well, not really replace it because here I go, you know, kind of, you know, uh, talking negative about them. I don't want to talk about, neg you know, talk negative about any of those other modes. Um, but we want to have something that's uh, truly, um, you know, from ground up, open and um, open source and uh, free for the amateur to really experiment with. So what do you see as the entirety of the M17 project? What does it encompass? I mean, obviously, it's going to be a platform where you can have a radio running M17 and communicate using it. But what, what are the parts of it that are going to make up the whole? Uh, so it's, it's really my, <laughs> my, uh, vision of the way that M17, um, wants to go is that it's, uh, first a protocol. Um, really the, the protocol really defines the whole project. And, uh, just like, uh, DMR or Fusion or DSTAR, those are all protocols. So that M17 started as a protocol. Um, there's also a hardware side of it, the TR9 handheld radio that's, um, it's kind of put on hiatus right now. Uh, we will look at it in the future. Um, but the, you know, there's a hardware aspect of it. And then there's also the networking um, aspect of it, which is really my forte, you know, getting that networking stuff going, um, to interlink all these repeaters that, that could be built and all these, uh, you know, reflectors. If you're familiar with, uh, the way that D-Star, um, you know, does its traffic over the internet, you know, we have a similar system, um, you know, so it's really uh, from the ground up. It's going to you know, encompass software and hardware as well as networking. I guess networking kind of falls under software, but um, you know that the, it kind of give you the whole uh, whole kit and caboodle, I suppose. All right, that sounds really interesting, and I'm looking forward to it. I've already sort of delved into M17 a little bit. I've we're going to talk a little about about how that happened uh, in a bit, uh, and. Uh, my uh, participation uh, with actually having a reflector and stuff, but we'll we'll get to that. There's that's sort of further in. But before we go too much further, we usually leave this to the end, and I hate doing that. But uh, do you want to tell us like who are like the lead developers on the thing? Tell us who the team is. Yeah, uh, sure. This is going to switch tabs, and if I remember correctly, I, I love your music, by the way. My music. Oh. Come on. <laughs> I knew it was, was going to come up yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
so yeah, the uh, the team. Um, it, it all started with uh, Wojciech over there in Poland, um, SP5 WWP. He's the he's the lead for the whole group, and um, you know he he uh, on the page he has it described as a bare metal software developer. Um, he was licensed uh, back in 2016, the same time that I got my general. Um, then there's me, uh, Steve <laughs> Miller, yes, and. Uh, you know, uh, we have W2 FBI, uh, Mike down there in Massachusetts. Uh, he does a lot of, uh, testing and development for us as well. Um, so that, those are the, 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 I don't want to say the top three because we're all kind of like on the same, you know, playing, you know, the, the same level, you know, um, N7TAE, uh, Tom, he's over there, uh, I believe in Arizona. Uh, he, he actually developed the, um, MREF D. Uh, software, which is the actual reflector, the M17 uh, reflector. And, um, you know, he, he really gave me, um, you know, the kick in the pants to, to start getting things going with the, with the whole project. Um, I believe uh, a little while ago you had uh, 88 DP, Doug. Um, he's a developer for Dude Star and Droid Star. Um, he um, had an existing product uh, that allowed you to get onto different voice, uh, I'm sorry, digital voice modes um, through the internet on your computer or on your mobile device. And uh, so he brings a lot of uh, experience with uh, that to the table. Uh, we have WX90Rob of the MobileLink fame. He uh, developed the MobileLink TNC. It's, it's so difficult to say that. I got to tell him to try and change that name because it's got that D at the end of the Sounds kind of funny, <laughs> at least for me it does. Uh, but yeah, he developed the the TNC one, TNC two, TNC three. The latest iteration, the TNC three, is actually uh, compatible with M seventeen. You can turn your TNC into an M seventeen um, capable device. Plug it into a radio that's capable of uh, doing the um, uh, the type of modulation that we're using and uh, get on the air with M seventeen, which is really cool. Um, I, I do a lot of experimentation with. Uh, uh, his stuff um, lately. Um, we have OH1CAU Giovanni over in Finland. He does a lot of um, uh, writing uh, for the specification. Um, he uh, did a, a whole lot of stuff early on. He's uh, taken a hiatus, I uh, believe, for now, um, but uh, we should have him back soon. And we also have uh, KM6VMZ Elms um, over in California. He's um, He does software development, so when it comes to creating the software for, uh, you know, the TR9 uh, or, or anything else that we put out as far as hardware is concerned, I'm sure that, uh, you know, we'll start seeing stuff from him as well. Oh, very good. That's a nice outline of the team. We usually forget to ask and <laughs> find out later that there's so many people involved in projects and then they don't get mentioned, but that's cool. I think that's a good rundown. So... Now that we know that, let's talk a little bit about M17 itself. So I'm, I'm interested in, since you, you've talked about open from the very beginning, so what languages does it use to, you know, um, usually there's more than one, maybe a core language and then a couple of things, maybe some shims written and other stuff. And how exactly is M17 licensed? <laughs> it's written in English. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I wish, um, but no, uh, the, like, um, as far as, well, I mean, I mean actually, yeah, I, I, we, we can say that because, um, the, uh, the specification is written in English. Um, but the, uh, TR9, the software for that, uh, was written in C. Um, we have implementations in both Python 
and C. Uh, I'm working on a Golang implementation as well. Um, it's also forced me to learn uh, Python a little bit more. I'm learning uh, more Python serial, which is uh, a whole beast in itself. Um, and the uh, licensing, it's all GPL 2.0. So we try to keep it as free and open as possible. Um, we also open it up for commercial use. So the reason being is that, you know, if some, if some commercial manufacturer out there wants to, you know, pick it up and, and start using it, you know, maybe it'll, uh, give us the, the, uh, hardware that we could be looking for, uh, rather than just designing ourselves. We can, we can leverage, uh, you know, say <coughs> Motorola <coughs> to, uh, give us, <laughs> give us a hand <laughs> with that. Actually, why, why did you go with Motorola? Why didn't you go with <coughs> Flex? <coughs> Actually, <laughs> You know, the, it's funny you mentioned Flex because I want to grab a Flex radio and I want to see if I can put N17 on it. However, I don't think I'm, uh, Flex makes a radio that's um, uh, 10 meters and above. So that's that's the the thing about M17 is that uh, we can't use it on HF. So um, okay, yeah. so this is a good good point to ask why. Well, uh, it's because of the um, symbol rate. Uh, the symbol rate, you know, that we're using is, oh god, I have to remember this off the top of my head. I think it's 4800. Um, so it's a little bit too fast for, uh, being on HF. Um, uses a pretty wide bandwidth as far as most digital, uh, protocols are concerned. It's not as wide as, say, DMR with 12 and a half kilohertz, but it's, uh, uh, it's around nine kilohertz wide. Um, so it's, a, it's still too wide to be put onto, you know, uh, things like HF and, and, um, not break any of our rules in the U.S. But, um, yeah, the, the symbol rate is, is a lot higher than uh, what you would typically see as far as, um, you know, things that you would have on HF. All right. Very good. So I, I sort of know, at least I think, I hope I know the answer to the next couple of questions. So I'm just going to roll them into one. You mentioned that the whole the whole project is kind of being built up from the ground up, but I think there's some other audio technology that you're leveraging, and I was just wondering, like, what other projects are you using to either model your software on or, or borrowing code from uh, to make M17 a reality? Yeah, that's a really great question, and it does seem to be overlooked by a lot of people that are just starting to learn about M17. Um, the... Uh, when, when it comes to uh, the voice side of everything, we're using Codec 2, which was developed by Dave Rowe down in Australia. Uh, I want to say that he's down in Australia. Yes, he uh, is. We, he's been on the oh, show. So <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> oh, perfect. Uh, so, yeah, he, he developed uh, Codec 2 to be a low bitrate um, uh, audio codec that can be used on uh, you know, uh, RF. I mean, uh, uh, he has uh, modes that go all the way down to like 700. Um, so that's good for use, uh, use on HF. And he has it going all the way up to 2400, which is what um, what we're using we're on, on M17. We're using 2400. And then we also have a half uh, rate as well that we can combine both voice and data at the same time. Um, the data, or at least, I'm sorry, the, the on-air protocol um, that we kind of started modeling after was uh, NXDN, um, namely because of, you know, we needed a place to start, and uh, we wanted to go ahead and kind of, you know, tweak it a little bit, make it a little bit more uh, available to us as a, as a um, uh, an air 
interface. Uh, so, yeah, we, we do kind of leverage, um, you know, the uh, NXVM protocol a little bit for uh, the air interface. And um, that's really the two major, you know, projects that, that we, well, I guess, uh, yeah, no, that's, that's pretty much the two major projects that we kind of leverage in, inside M17. And we have to make sure that the, the licensing matches up and everything. And that's why we chose Codec 2 because the, uh, free and open nature of that license. So we were able to include it as a voice codec into M17. Um, and, uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot of other projects that are leveraging us. So, like I, I mentioned before, you know, Dude Star, Droid Star, um, you know, for, uh, the, um, you know, computer side of it, you know, getting onto M17 and, uh, playing around with it. And then there's, uh, the TNC3, um, the open RTX, uh, folks, they're, um, you know, using M17 to kind of, uh, hack around with the MD380, uh, radios, you know, the, the ones that were, um, I forgot who originally sold them, but I think they're being sold by TYT now. Um, yeah, open RTX is developing a new firmware and they're really driving, um, M17 to be included into that firmware so that you could turn that DMR radio into something better, you know? So, um, there's a bunch of projects that are actually, you know, integrating with us in, in, in instead of the other way around. So, you know, we only use a couple of things, um, in order to make M17 happen, but, uh, there's many other projects that are out there that are using us to make what they're doing happen. Um, I just wanted to touch on the, the baud rate, the 4,800, bits per second that you're using is that for like audio quality is that the idea behind that yeah that's uh namely just so so that we can get that um <laughs> i want to say better sound I, and i i don't think i'm uh, far from the truth when it comes to it um but yeah when when you start talking about uh getting higher fidelity audio if you talk to anybody when it, when it comes to uh telephone systems you know if you're if you're talking about sip or, or I, uh, iax or anything like that you know the 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 more fidelity that you want over the line the higher the rate has to be um there's a trade-off you know the you know where do you where do you draw that line where it's high enough fidelity but a low enough bit rate that we can actually squeeze it into uh you know a nice bit narrow bandwidth of um, frequency that uh, we have available so um you know or at least as far as the rules are concerned you know i mean you know, we could go ahead and squeeze it into spread spectrum or whatever and, and have the highest fidelity out there as far as the radio is concerned but yeah the the bit rate is higher so that we can get a um better sounding audio over the radio very very good so let's talk a little bit about practicality of the project so i mean obviously the project is is new it's not completely developed and there is a lot of development to be done but that's not to say that m17 can't be used like today if you want to use it now we mentioned dude star so and open rtx and stuff like that and we we are looking i've already uh, lined up an interview with uh, open rtx so we're looking forward to that so tell us uh, if you haven't already completely enumerated, maybe just put it all together in a list. If somebody wanted to use M17 right now to see how cool this new protocol is, how does one do that? What what availability is there? Uh, well, let's see. <laughs> the easiest way um, uh, that I see right now is um, actually I also want to make mention of MVoice, which is the Linux client for um, M17. Uh, to get onto the reflectors. Um, that, that was developed by Tom N7TAE as well. 
Uh, so yeah, the, the easiest way for you know uh, the fans of the show, I'm assuming that they're all running Linux. Um, yeah, go ahead, download Mvoice or download DudeStar and uh, get that onto your computer. Uh, once it's installed, you can go ahead and select uh, M17 as, as the protocol in DudeStar or Mvoice will automatically um, have a list of all the reflectors that you can use. Um, select a reflector and, and uh, have at it. You know, it's uh, as simple as that. You know, if you know how to set up uh, Mumble or set up Discord, you know, you, you can go ahead and set up uh, one of those two clients. Um, that'll get you onto M17, but it won't necessarily get you onto the air. We don't have uh, a way to put a repeater or a radio onto. Uh, I don't want to say that we don't have the way a way to do it. It's just that the the, the software isn't ready yet. Um, to get you onto the air from the computer. Um, there's no, um, you know, there's no handheld that's available. There's no mobile rig that's available to get you onto the air with M17 um, by itself. So if you're a little bit more inclined to do some experimentation, um, you can go ahead and get yourself a Nucleo TNC or a TNC3, which are both developed by WX90, and um, you know, download the experimental firmware onto either of those devices. Plug it into a 9600 uh, baud capable radio, and um, then you're then you're on the uh, you know you're on the air with M17. Uh, depending on how many people are around you, you may be the only one. So you know, it, this is this is really highly experimental uh, stuff right now. So uh, if you set up a radio, you may be only talking to yourself. Um, those are the two major ways to really get um, onto the air and playing with M17 right now. Uh, we've been having a lot of fun, or at least I've been having a lot of fun, uh, plugging in, you know, my Nucleo TNC into a Kenwood radio, getting out onto the air. Um, I've been able to do uh, APRS over M17. It's still AX25, except in, instead of using, you know, uh, AFSK packet, you're using M17. So the packet's actually a lot quicker. <laughs> I think they only last about a half a second, so you got to have some really fast uh, radios. Um, so I've been having a lot of fun with uh, APRS, you know, using the packet mode of uh, M17. And you can, I've also played around with uh, M17 voice, uh, pumped into a um, RTL SDR, and, uh, you know, just kind of transmitting from different areas around the uh, around the seacoast area and uh, seeing, you know, what kind of propagation I'm getting and, and how well it decodes, um, you know, actually traveling through the ether as, as it were. So, um, yeah, uh, download a client or experiment with a radio. Those are, those are the two ways to really get, uh, you know, involved with M17 at home. All right, very good. We'll talk a little bit about uh, MRFD in a bit, but we don't want to get dive into that because that's a different project, even though it's M17 related. But, um, so, so like, what's the development roadmap right now? Like, what are you guys working on first and then what's going to come later? What's, what's the big thing that needs to get done now to sort of make this thing move forward? Yeah, that's, that's, uh, funny that you asked that because not too long ago, we actually did have a conversation about that. And, um, we all agreed that, uh, the, the, the focus should be getting M17 on the air. You know, we've got the network side of it done. Uh, to, to a point, you know, it works. Um, we've got, uh, we don't have to really focus on hardware because we can leverage existing hardware right now. And that's really what we're focusing on is leveraging existing hardware to get us on the air. So really all of our development focus is, is, um, 
uh, involved with that. Uh, we've got, uh, as you said, the open RTX guys. Uh, we're trying to get M17 uh, shoehorned into a DMR radio. <laughs> uh, it is still at 4 FSK, so it should work. Uh, all fingers crossed. Um, but uh, you know, we, uh, you know, I've, I've used my Kenwood radios uh, to go ahead and put M17 on the air, and um, actually, just recently, uh, within, within the past few days. Um, Wojciech, uh, was able to get a Motorola GM300 to transmit and receive M17. Um, granted, M17 is being modulated and, and demodulated on a Raspberry Pi uh, on the side, but it still works. You can still use the microphone with the radio, um, and, uh, you can get M17 to go through that GM300. So really, we're, we're focusing on getting the air interface and uh, M17 itself on the air so that we can get that stuff, you know, really perfected. And then once that is done, then we can go ahead and start, you know, focusing on the hardware again, um, doing things like creating repeaters, creating uh, handheld radios, maybe even a mobile at some, at some point. So, um, you know, we kind of want to look at the um, RF first and then, you know, tangible thing next. Uh, very good. Do you see this coming to a point where, like, eventually you could do stuff? Because, like, I know we have one guy who listens to our show who's uh, connecting his Yezu uh, repeater to All-Star and stuff like that. So do you see this being, like, an M17 being a way to communicate through Pi-Star once there's some hardware available or maybe, like, retrofitting a repeater to use M17 natively, stuff like that? Is that, like, all on the radar? Yeah. And as a matter of fact, uh, G4KLX, Jonathan Naylor, uh, of the MMDVM fame. He's, uh, he's on our radar, or, or we're on his radar, rather. <laughs> um, he has been, uh, developing MMDVM to also support M17. We're just waiting for hardware that we can actually use, uh, that, that's reliable and, and, you know, is a solid, uh, uh, testing platform. Um, MMDVM will support M17. And yes, you will eventually, uh, see it in PyStar, um, as long as Andy's, uh, you know, uh, accepts us uh, as a as a valid protocol, <laughs> um, and uh, I'm sorry, I kind of trailed off there for a second. Um, was there another part of that question? Well, I was just wondering if you see like a future being able to retrofit M17, maybe some hardware like a uh, an add-on TNC or a dongle or something where you could have um, a Yezu or a Motorola or a Peter or something like that, being able to do M17 natively. Okay, so yeah, I, I <laughs> thank you for refreshing my memory. Um, yeah, so if you look at like, uh, uh, well, Jonathan Naylor actually uh, pointed this out. If you look at uh, like, uh, say, the Brandmeister wiki, where it lists all the all the hardware um, that can be retrofitted to work with DMR, um, anything that's listed in there will also do M17. So really, you can just take a look at you know a list of anything that you can retrofit DMR into into you know you can you can go ahead and put m17 in there so yeah eventually yeah you would be able to take an mmdvm modem stick it on a pi put it on a repeater and there you go you're you're good to go so um yeah it, it, it is something that we are focusing on and that's part of what we're doing in order to get the um air interface perfected you know because we're using um 
you know, the, the MMDVM modems were also using, you know, uh, a, a bolt on TNC in order to get onto the air. So it's, it's there. It's just not polished. It's very, very rough right now. Well, that's okay. It's a young project and it'll get more polished with time, which is fine. And I do want to talk a little bit about MRFD, but before I do that, I'm going to let people stop listening to me for a little while, and I'm going to let Bill pick it up so he can uh, ask you some questions, and you can hear somebody else's modulation for a little while. (laughs) I'm confused. What are you talking about? This is all digital radio stuff. I'm so confused. (laughs) You know all there is to know. I know enough. I know how to start Dude Star. That's all I do. (laughs) And I have got on M17 once, so uh, I know it works. <laughs> so, uh, oh, let's see here. Jeez, um, Ross, you threw me under the bus here. <laughs> I, I know. I wanted to let everybody know that you were drinking heavily and you weren't going to be a part of this. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here enjoying my cigar and listening to a great podcast. And, uh, yeah, I'm just... Sometimes you have to participate in your own podcast, hang right? My, yeah, hang my hat on the door, right? I'm here, yeah. <laughs> Me and Cheryl, I'll just sit here liking stuff on Facebook, right, Cheryl? Are you there? <laughs> She's there. She probably would have picked it up better than you. Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I just uh, I just want to comment that uh, yeah, the documentation for everything, the protocol and uh, the detailed documentation of all the, the physical data link, uh, data link layer and application layers is, is really, really, really well done i mean um i i uh <laughs> i'm just still just going through it as we speak and uh um it's it's documented very well for, for uh for a open source project and um um yeah kudos you guys, to you guys did you mention a that. documenter or is it being done you know by the team uh so yeah it, it's well i mean first of all it is open source um anybody can go ahead and view the documentation, but also um, it's on GitHub. So if anybody has anything that they want to add or if they notice something that's an error, they can change it. They, all they have to do is just submit a pull request. It's then reviewed by either me or Wojciech or uh, Juhani or even, you know, if somebody else can, you know, say, yes, this is this is a good um, change that needs to be made. Let's go ahead and implement it. Um, but uh, it, it's it's a full team effort. So and and it's also again we're we're leveraging the community to kind of make it better. And I really appreciate um, the kind words about the documentation. It, it is something that we're working heavily on, um, along with uh, you know the, the the hardware and actual physical implementation of everything. But um, you know, protocol is nothing without its specification. And um, you know, it's it's difficult for me to kind of read that documentation and understand it fully. So having somebody else outside, you know, take a look at it and say, you guys are doing a good job. I, I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. So yeah, I did my part. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, this is all really good, even the, the, the diagrams and stuff like that, understanding how the payload is built and stuff like that. Um, yeah, that's that's really gory details for, for a lot of users. But, I mean, and, and the point, this is not an end-user documentation. This is really for people wanting to implement the protocol. Correct, And, yeah. Uh, yeah, it definitely gives them, you know, a plethora of information of exactly, you know, how the, uh, you know, how, how it's, how the sausage is made. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it was uh, really cool to see, um, you know, WX90 give us a, uh, uh, you know, the packet side of everything because, you know, he, he developed, uh, uh, firmware for his TNC in order for M17 to work on it. And, uh, you know, he gave us a lot of, uh, 
stuff in there for for that side of it too so uh, there's this like i said there's uh, all the authors are listed in the document so if you just take a look at it you'll see that there's not just one or two people working on it it's a whole group of people yeah and i mean i think you've touched on this already i was just looking at one of the bullet points here uh you know about whether m17 is really meant for a coexistence or supplanting existing technology technology and i think you've kind of covered the fact that this is just you know yet another thing that could possibly grow into you know possibly some vendor adoption and stuff like that and would definitely sit very well with uh, people concerned about you know the closed licensing of uh, certain chips and stuff like that within the the radios and and the other technologies that uh, tend to be a, a little bit of an encumbrance uh, for uh, for getting that out to mass market uh, and, and adoption for vendor usage. Yeah, and that's that's uh, you know one of the major selling points as far as M17 is concerned is that the, the open and free nature of it. You know, we, we don't intend on um, you know locking it down for any reason. Um, you know, we we believe that uh, an effort is only as good as the people that are working on it. Now, granted, of course, you have, you know, large organizations um, out there that can go ahead and, and just kind of throw money and, and resources at uh, developing something. But, again, that's their IP. That's their their uh, stuff that they're looking to sell. We're not really looking to sell this uh, protocol. We're not looking to sell a codec. We're not looking to sell anything as far as, you know, um, you know, the protocol is concerned itself. So we, we, we try to keep it nice and open. And, um, you know, when it comes down to things uh, of, of a closed source nature, there are concerns. Yes, there are concerns with, you know, is this license, you know, what am I being bound to um, with this license? Because really, when you buy something that has a closed source um, codec in it, you're, you're not necessarily, you know, buying the rights to use it. You're buying a license for it. And, you know, <laughs> I remember, you know, a South Park episode about, uh, you know, licensing and, and I, I believe it was kind of like a, taking a stab at Apple, but basically, you know, you don't know what you're signing unless you read every fine little point in that license and agreement. So, um, you know, we try to keep that, um, uh, out of the picture. We want to make sure that everything is open, everything is free. Anybody can go ahead and start using it. Anybody can change it. Anybody can experiment with it. And, um, you know, I- I'm hoping that that will uh, bring more people into um, seeing that M17 is a bit more amateur uh, focused because of the free nature of the whole system. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, uh, you know, building it from the ground up, I kind of want to touch on this, you know, building it up from the ground up is um, really uh, what I see is bringing amateur radio back to its roots, back to developing stuff and, and experimenting and everything like that. You can't do that with a closed source uh, license or a closed source um, uh, codec or anything like that. So, you know, you don't, granted, you know, these other protocols that are out there, DMR, DSTAR, all that other stuff, sure, they, they may be uh, free to, to, you know, implement, um, but the codecs are not, um, and that's that's really the encumbrance. That's the that's what really gets people is that they can they can play around with it, but they have to pay for the pay for the right to to actually use it. You know, right. So um, so let's talk a little bit about the commercialization aspect. So you're not looking at commercializing the M17 project. Uh, as far as the protocol is concerned, no, I don't think that there's any uh, intention on making this uh, as a, um, you know, a, a product to be sold. 
Um, really, it's uh, <laughs> as corny as it sounds. It's for the better, uh, the benefit of humanity. Really, um, whether it be through um, you know a low cost alternative to other things that are available, or even just uh, you know the ability to sit there and, and hack at something uh, just for the fun of it. So. Um, I don't, I don't think that there'll be any, um, you know, I mean, again, you know, the GPL2, uh, license, you know, that, that kind of, you know, states the, the whole idea behind, um, you know, what, what, what we're trying to achieve. Yeah. And I see you have, um, uh, a larger sponsor of the Open Research Institute. So how are they helping your project? Yeah. So they're, um, they're actually helping us with, uh, uh, getting things, uh, like, uh, grants and, uh, funding, um, these projects because right now, um, the whole team, it's all, it's all out of our own pockets and our own time, um, it, which really severely limits the amount of uh, development that we can do. Um, I mean, not necessarily in the amount of, uh, you know, stuff that we can acquire and, and uh, uh, play around with, because eventually, you know, over, over you know, a, a long period of time, yeah, eventually we will get all the tools and resources that we need in order to do this. But in order for it to actually become productive, we need a little bit of a um, kind of a kind of a uh, push to to get that stuff that we need, and and ORI saw us as uh, you know in line with their ideals and um, their project goals and and what they intend on doing. So um, they have uh, wonderfully sponsored us in in the uh, further development of M17. And I see you also have a uh, a donate now link too, so people can uh, help support you individually if they're interested in uh, helping this uh, this project. Uh, uh, grow and flourish. Yep, that's correct. Um, yeah, you know, anybody that uh, you know feels uh, that they could, uh, you know, if if um, if they don't feel that they can contribute, um, you know, as far as uh, technical uh, ability or or anything like that, you know, that's fine. Um, you know, we have that donate a uh, donate now link, um, and uh, you know, as uh, the donations roll in, we we put your name up on the uh, site. Um, we've actually had uh, another organization, um, you know, donate to us, uh, HVDN, uh, the Hudson Valley Digital. Oh, I'm going to butcher this. I'm, gonna, I'm thinking that it's Hudson Valley Digital Network. Yeah, um, that's right. Oh, yeah, perfect. Um, yeah, they're um, interested in what we were doing. They they uh, helped us out a little bit, and they're um, talking about, uh, you know, doing some M17 stuff with uh, their project as well. So that's really, really cool. Um yeah, uh, the, that's. Um, uh, I'm gonna. I, I'm starting to waffle, so that's okay. No. Question. <laughs> <laughs> so, have you guys formed any type of legal entity behind M17, like a nonprofit or anything else like that? Well, that's that's part of the reason um, we have ORI helping us out. Um, you know, again, it, it comes down to funds. Um, we don't have the funds to form a legal entity or even you know because things like that require lawyers and yeah. i'm not a lawyer <laughs> i don't even <laughs> play one on tv so um you know we need uh the proper legal advice from the people that know that sort of thing um so we can bring them in you know we need that funding and um you know we're we're applying for grants and um looking to get that taken care of and then eventually yes if if uh things start to um you know, branch out as far as the administrative side of everything, then yeah, well, eventually we, we may, um, you know, branch out and do something like that. All right. And, uh, I guess we can move on to the, uh, the hardware aspect. We mentioned the TR9 project, which you said was on hold, but, uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? So the TR9, 
um, that was uh, uh, our our little project as far as getting um, uh, basically you know a build your own handheld, and uh, it was going to feature M17 as uh, the mode um, available on it. Uh, it was it was it was uh, being designed as both a um, analog as well as digital radio, um, so similar to you know just any about any other digital radio that you can get nowadays. Um, but it was going to specifically be developed for use of M17 on it. Um, it's, uh, I mean, you can go ahead and download the Gerbers. You can have boards made up. Um, but there are uh, a few limitations that we've run into or, or a few um, bumps that we've run into. Um, you know, the, the, the weight over the board, uh, you know, things like uh, the power output. Um, you know, there's, there's a things that need to be massaged into actually working on that. And um, because hardware development seems to be a bit more involved than what we're currently focusing on as far as leveraging existing hardware, um, it's been put on hold. But once we have, uh, you know, everything ironed out as far as the uh, air interface, then we can go ahead and take a look at uh, that hardware, uh, designing our own hardware and that kind of thing. And it's, it's not to say that... Um, you know, nobody else can can do that. They they're more than welcome to take a look at what we're doing and and you know make changes or or you know suggest a better way of doing things. That and, and we're completely open to that. So um, if anybody wants to you know kind of take a look at that and um, if they have any ideas, we're we're all ears. Alrighty, well, Russ, did you want to talk about the reflector software? Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to Russ, touch on it briefly. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, I think it's a good spot to do it. Okay, you might be delayed a bit. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I think you're delayed considerably, actually, but that's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll muddle through. Um, yeah, I didn't want to get too deep into uh, the M17 reflector project, but um, I, I just wanted to ask about like how you are handling adoption of the M17 reflectors, because, I mean, I, I just like decided one day that I wanted to run one, so I downloaded the software, built it, popped on, registered it, blah, 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 and so now I have an M17 reflector. Um, I know you can link them together so you can have sort of a, you know, a whole network of, uh, M17 reflectors linked together. I just want to know like what you foresee as far as adoption of M17 reflectors. Do you just want a million people to sign up for reflectors or is it going to be, you know, limited or restricted or managed in some way or, or anything like that? I'm just, I'm specifically talking about the reflector network, not about the software. Right. And, and, uh, those are very, very good questions. It's, um, you come up a few times and this is, uh, the, the, the answer that I give people. We're not going to stop you from creating your own reflector. You can go ahead and do that. That's, that's the whole idea behind, um, you know, MRFD and, and, uh, running, um, an M17 network. Um, we offer, uh, well, <laughs> I say we, and it's really just been, um, you know, me, uh, offer a registration system in order for it to be publicly listed and available to um, M17 clients or even, you know, the software built into a radio, you know, if you wanted to directly connect to a, a reflector from your radio. Um, so I, I kind of curate the um, M17 reflectors site it's um, not necessarily something that uh, I want to turn into a I'm I'm the I'm the boss and this is what you're going to do. It, it's it's more of a uh, moderated list rather than you know a, a strict um, 
you know, uh, joining kind of thing, you know, and, and only I list what I feel is, is a reflector that should be worthy of being listed. No, it's, it's moderated in the fact that we're, we're just basically trying to look out for things that might be, um, uh, off color or, you know, people trying to just kind of, you know, fill up our database full of, uh, junk bogus, you know, uh, registrations. Um, so it's moderated by me, but, um, you know, anybody can start up an M17 network. It doesn't have to um, be listed. It doesn't have to uh, be registered or anything like that. Um, but uh, yeah, we do offer that listing service. Uh, we, uh, I am working on getting the interlinks uh, kind of a kind of a workflow for for the interlinks because right now it's just all based on. If you want to interlink with a with a reflector, you got to email everybody that's on that same interlink, and um, you know it can be a little bit of a bit of overhead as far as you know trying to join a group of uh, reflectors on a specific interlink. So um, I'm I'm trying to work out all the kinks as far as that's concerned. So all you have to do is just click on a button on the site and say I want to interlink with all these other reflectors, and then everybody gets a notification all at the same time and says Hey, this person wants to join. So do you do um, do you accept? Do you have them in your in your Analytics file? And then once everybody says yes, it gets lit green, and then that person that runs the reflector just downloads an Analytics file from the site to their um, to the server, and uh, off they go. So, um, yeah, I, I mean it's uh, uh, an involved process um, as far as uh, you know getting everything set up on my side, but uh, you know I, I think we're doing pretty good with it. Um, and, uh, you know, it's similar to, to, in fashion to, you know, registering a YSF, um, reflector or, or an, an XLX reflector. Um, I'm just trying to make it a little bit more, um, user friendly. You know, some of these, uh, registration systems, you have to, you have to go on a forum and request to be listed on the forum or you have to go to a site that was, uh, that may not be coming up for you, um, or, you know, might be located in a country that's, uh, you know, blocked or something like that. So I'm, I'm, I'm working on that, making sure that, uh, everybody in the whole world can, can access our system, uh, without any issue and, and make that registration system as, uh, as easy as possible. All right. Very good. And just in case it wasn't clear earlier when we were talking about this, M17 reflectors are online. There are quite a few of them. Many of them are publicly registered. And if you happen to be running Dude Star or Droid Star, you can select M17 as your protocol, and you can connect to any one of the available reflectors. They show up in the list, and you can talk using M17, like, right now, if you want to. Well, after you build the software. But, you know, <laughs> soon. So it is an actual functioning thing, which is really cool. Yep, and I just uh, dropped a link. Um, the site for the reflectors list is reflectors.m17.link. Um so if anybody is interested in seeing what's out there, uh, we have them all listed there. All right. Very good. And I apologize for stealing 659 inadvertently. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just that's the, the, the local exchange for, for Newmarket, and I just happen to be in Newmarket. A happy coincidence, I suppose. <laughs> I suppose. It's been so long since I lived in New England that I had forgotten that 659 was Newmarket's exchange, but, you know, it is what it is. So I think we've, we've gotten most of the way through the project and we're down sort of to the, the straggly little bits. So let's go ahead and find out if you're uh, taking any input from the community as far as development. Are you looking for developers? Do you need developers? Are you accepting uh, outside uh, influence or suggestions? And if so, where does one go to uh, participate in that way? 
we are 100% open. And, um, you know, like I, I, I said earlier, if anybody has any ideas of, you know, after they take a look at our system, if, after they took a look at our, our protocol, after they took a look at the hardware, and after they look at uh, the tutorials that we're making, if anybody has any input, please, you know, let us know. There are many ways of getting in touch with us. Uh, we have all of them listed on the site up in the uh, chat and contact uh, area there. If you look at the top of the website, um, we can be found on IRC, on Matrix, on Discord. All three of those are linked together, so you can join on any of them, and you'll be talking to the to everybody that's interested in the project, not just the team, but everybody else that's uh, involved. And um, you can also email us, uh, contact at m17.link. Um, or you can just, uh, you know, uh, shoot, a, shoot me an email, you know, if you have any questions. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, if anybody has any ideas, like I said, it, it, we're, we're all ears and, uh, no reasonable suggestions or ideas will go unheard. So, um, you know, it, it, we are open to the community at large and that's what we want to focus on. We want to focus on making sure that, uh, you know, it's not just a handful of people that are coming up with something that uh, we actually get a full set of input from everybody that could be possibly involved, not just uh, developers, but also end users. All right. That's excellent. And uh, I think I've learned all about the M17 project I need to know for tonight. We're going to have links to all of the stuff you've talked about in the show notes. So is M17.link the, the core site where everybody needs to go to get the, the most information, or is, is there a different place? Well, the, uh, the actual public presence, and the main site is m17project.org. Uh, that has all the links for everything, uh, protocol, uh, tutorials, um, donate, <laughs> uh, as well as uh, all of our contact information. It's all right in there. Um, the dot link uh, uh, system or the dot link uh, TLV rather is uh, just for the networking side of it. So things like uh, the reflector list, our emails, our um, uh, the reflector that I run, the M17 M17 reflector. It's, it's a uh, you've seen double when you see our my reflector, but um, you know that's on dot link. So that's that's just a that's just a separate domain that uh, takes care of the networking side of it. But as far as the the uh, public um, you know website, that's m17project.org. All right, excellent. So unless anybody else has anything they want to ask you, I'm down to my final question, which is the the final, final question we always ask. So anything else, Bill? Anything, Cheryl? No, I'm good. Nope. Nope. Okay. Well, then the question we always ask at the end of an interview is, what didn't we ask? <laughs> what What did we not touch on that you want to tell us about the project or anything else you want to tell us, even if it's off topic? We just want to let you sort of have the final say about this and wrap things up and put a nice little bow on it. Well, uh, I guess uh, really when it comes down to it, M17, uh, yeah, it, sure, you can, say, you can say, oh, it's just another digital protocol. Why do we need another digital protocol? We have uh, plenty of other digital protocols that are out there. Uh, the, the one major point that I want to really drive home is the fact that our system, our protocol, our codex, our licensing, it's all open. It's, it's free and available to use and experiment with. You can't do that with the other systems that are out there. Um, there's a lot of uh, bureaucracy that's involved with uh, the networking side of all those other systems. Uh, we try to be as agnostic as possible as far as, you know, um, 
anybody wanting to spin up a reflector or run our system or anything like that, you know, go ahead and use it. Please do because, you know, without people actually using our system and just saying, oh, well, that's just another system that's, you know, uh, trying to take place of something else, it's not going to go anywhere. And that's what, that's not what we want. We want, we want involvement. We want people to get involved. We want end users. We want people that are, that are uh, technically inclined to, to help us out with, you know, the hardware, the software, the networking, everything, you know. So, uh, you know, it, it, well, you know it, if you look at the site, you know, it, it, it was tongue-in-cheek, you know. Uh, we aim to kick DMR and Fusion and DSTAR off the air. That, that's, that's just tongue-in-cheek. That's just us kind of uh, playing around. Um, we want to uh, be on that same playing field as everybody else and offer um, a free and open alternative to other systems that are out there. And, um, really, that's that's my driving force behind it is to uh, offer something to the community at large um, for um, you know all the fun that I've had in the in the community or, or as far as amateur radio is concerned. Everything that I've done in amateur radio, all the fun that I've had, I want to give something back, and I'm trying to do it as best as possible through M17. And I'm sure the entire team feels that way. So we want to really thank you, Steve, for coming on here tonight and talking with us, telling us all about the M17 project. I look forward to its advancement going forward, and perhaps we'll have you on again when there are some new developments or some hardware or things that are really important to the project that you want to let us know about. We'd love to have you come back. Certainly, and thank you for having me. It was a a pleasure to be here. Fantastic. Well, we really appreciate it, and I'm glad you were able to make time for us tonight. And uh, we'll be talking to you soon. Good luck with the project. All right, Bill. Are yeah. You awake? Okay. I'm here. <laughs> well, that means we've uh, we've come down to the end of the actual deep dive, but we do have a couple of announcements, or one announcement and some feedback. And since you were the one who put in the announcement about the Storm Spotter class, and I have no idea what it's about, why didn't you tell us? Me? I didn't do that one. Oh, you didn't do that one? Did Cheryl no, do that one? Cheryl did that one. Oh, well, oh, then guess Cheryl what? Cheryl, Cheryl gets to do it then. <laughs> So I was um, skimming around today online, and I actually found that the National Weather Service in St. Louis is offering free virtual spotter classes to prepare for the heart of the sphere weather season. Mother Nature is already mad at us here in Missouri, so I can't wait to see what else she throws at us. But if you'd like to assist your local community by becoming a volunteer storm spotter and reporting severe weather to the National Weather Service, or if you simply want to learn more about severe weather, you can attend one of their virtual sessions. The attendees are taught the basics of thunderstorm development, storm structure, the features to look for and where to find them, what, when, and how to report location or report information to them is also covered. Um, you'll need a desktop or a laptop to view the presentation. They'll also be doing interactive polling, uh, which will use your cell phone if you want to participate in that. There are classes on Tuesday, March 2nd from 7 to 8 p- 15 p.m. Central, Saturday, March 6th from 10 a.m. to 11.15 a.m. Central, Wednesday, March 10th from 7 to 8.15 p.m. Central, and Saturday, March 20th, 2 to 3.15 p.m. Central. Of course, if Mother Nature decides to get upset with us, these courses may be canceled or changed due to active weather. Um but they'll communicate these changes via their website and social media. So if you want more information about this, of course, there will be information in the show notes. But you can go to weather.gov slash LXX, you know, Sierra uh, 
zebra. Or, yeah, I'm. I am really bad on this. So. <laughs> Lima Sierra X-ray. <laughs> there we go. Uh, Virtual Spotter 2021. So um, I figured I'd throw that into the notes now since we have two classes coming up. I think before we do another podcast. Is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so sure. Why they, not? They had one last, I think it was last night, so, and I was like, well, that's too late, but, so, but I definitely think I want to check one of these out, so. Yeah, I might do the same. That's really cool. Thanks for putting that in there. You're welcome. Now, right. the next thing is Bill's, but it, you well, guys are Well, it's actually mine. It. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah so. it's Russ's. So, yeah. Well, the, the next thing is mine, but the last thing is Bill's. The last thing is Bill's, right. Right, so we did get a comment on Bill's YouTube video, which I answered. And it was, let's see, who was it from? Wiley Trailer. That <laughs> uh, sounds like a made-up name, maybe? <laughs> <I don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he asked, is there a Linux equivalent to OmniRig that can be used with this logger? And OmniRig is apparently a Windows-based uh, ham rig control application or library or something. And I put in most Linux applications have rig control using Hamlib, which is a rig backend library compatible with most radios on the market. Other applications have their own control libraries. Uh, so yes, the application running on Linux supports Hamlib and thus will be able to interact with whatever hardware you have. There you go. Uh, Absolutely. So hopefully he'll uh, <laughs> use CQR log and uh, divest himself of whatever he's using with OmniRig and, and all, you know, whatever else. Yeah, it's like it's virtually an equivalent. You know, Hamlib is basically the same thing, and um, FL Rig would be a, like a step up from that if you want to have your uh, rig control to have a little bit of uh, you know UI to interact with the rig as well outside of the uh, logging software. Yeah, cool. So that means we're down to our very very last announcement, and this announcement is Bill's. So Bill, take it away. That's right. Like we mentioned on our weekender a couple episodes ago. Um, for our subscribers and Patreons, there is a uh, a, uh, a, a, a item going out for episode 400. We're doing a Raspberry Pi 400 for episode 400 to one of our uh, subscribers or Patreons. And uh, the deadline for becoming a subscriber or Patreon, of course, would be uh, March 12th, because we're possibly going to record episode 400 during the Ham Radio Expo, the QSO Today one. So uh yeah so if you uh if you find this content useful and interesting enough to help support the program um you can be a part of this otherwise uh thank you for listening <laughs> <laughs> Very good and Don KB2YSI in the chat room mentioned that OmniRig allows for multiple devices to use a single com port so I will say that rig control D which is an overlay a daemon, a TCP daemon that sits on top of Hamlib can allow you to do that as well. But I just wanted to modify my answer to include uh, accuracy. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, FL rig will allow you to do the same thing. You can use it with multiple applications at the same time. Right. So, so there's multiple ways to do the exact same thing, yes. And it does integrate with CQR log and all that. So there you go. So thanks to everybody who joined us, especially Steve Miller, KC1AWV. It was really great to hear about the M17 project. I'm looking forward to using it more and seeing where it goes from here. And before we get out of here, we will mention the folks who were with us in the chat room tonight. We had quite a few. We had Steve, KC1AWV, of course. We had Doug, 88DP of the Dude Star and Droid Star project. We also had Ed, N2XDD, Tony, K4XSS, 
Don KC9ZMY, Ted WA0EIR, and Don KB2YSI. So thanks, everybody, for being here. We really appreciate it. And stay tuned for those people who are supporting the show. You have until, when, when did we say the cutoff was? March 12th. March 12th. March 12th at 11.59 p.m. Central Time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have to sign up to become a Patreon or a PayPal supporter to be entered in to win that Raspberry Pi 400. So be looking for that. And we'll be happy to give that away to one of our financial backers. We really appreciate those folks as well. But we also appreciate everybody who just listens to the show and makes all of this worthwhile. So with that, we're going to go ahead and get on out of here. This has been episode number 396 of Linux in the Hamshack. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. The show is recorded live every Thursday at 8pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info stroke LHS live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute list on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash LHS podcast on the Freenode network and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke discord you can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW that's 1-909-547-7469 visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show themed merchandise become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or ham fest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism. (laughs) 